0: Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM.
1: Amen. Praise God. All right, I'm just going to ask that we bow our heads and close our eyes for prayer before the scripture reading. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God, for the reading of your word, Father God. Holy Spirit, have your way as we listen to the word of God today. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that our hearts are open to receive from you today. And I pray that we are all good ground, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be reading Colossians 1. not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. Amen.
0: Amen. Good morning, Kingdom Living Ministries. How are you? That's it? How are you? (laughs) Good morning. It's a great morning. Amen. Wow. I mean, since, since this morning on the drive up, I've just been getting overwhelmed by the goodness of God. I mean, it, it, it's tremendous. I was in tears in the car. I just had to hold back tears here. Um, God is so good. God is so good. Before I start, I always forget to do this, so I'm going to get it out of the way. I have to give honor to certain people here. I first like to give honor to our pastor, Pastor Dwayne Wright, PD. You know, you've been more than a pastor to me. <laughs> you know, uh, as a result of your labor of love, I'm able to stand here and preach the word and and uh, be able to to walk with Christ and to know Christ. You you know, been more than a pastor, more than a mentor. You've been a real father to me in the faith. And just the same way that Paul fathered Timothy in the faith, I believe our bond is like that. And you know, uh, thank God for you. I thank God for you. I really do. I'd like to give honor to my wife, Jessica, the one that I just read. I'll give the honor to my wife. She has to put up with me every day. <laughs> every, you guys have to put up with me for 45 minutes right now. She has to put up with me every day, day in and day out, until Jesus comes back or we both walk and slip away into eternity. It's not as easy as it sounds. I know I, know I seem like a nice, calm guy. It's not that easy. I'm very high strung. Um, I never stay like, sitting down. I'm more trying to do something. And she puts up with me day in and day out. And uh, I just thank God for you. Um, I, I really appreciate you and everything that you've done and everything that you are to me. Last but not least, my dear mother is right back there. And PD had to put up with me for a year, three years. Jess is putting up with me for four years. My mom had to put up with me all of my life. <laughs> all 27 years. <laughs> so if anybody had a hard time, it's that, <laughs> it's that woman back there. But because of her faithfulness to God and her faithfulness to the word and to, to raising me, to be a man of God, no matter what I went through, it's a, it's a testament to, to what it means for a parent to pray and to love the way Christ has. And so I honor you, Mother. Mama, we made it. We up here, right? Glory to God. Glory to God. And last but not least, I'd like to honor everybody here. And I would like to thank everybody here at Kingdom Living Ministries. I really love everybody here. Um, it's such a privilege to me. And it's such an honor that I'm able to serve you guys in this way. It's tremendous. I I mean, I've never loved a group, a community of people so much in my life. And um, so thank you so much. Right. So before, let me pray before we get into the word. Just bow your head and close your eyes. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. We just like to thank you for this day, Father God. We thank you that you are in our midst, O Lord. We thank you for your word that you've given to us by your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, that we have eyes to see marvelous things in your word. We have ears to hear what you're saying to us and a heart to receive your promises and your truths. I thank you, Father, that out of my belly bursts rivers of living water and that systems and strongholds and, and mindsets are torn down and the kingdom of darkness is pushed back. I thank you that I speak as the very oracles of God and I serve with the strength that God provides. I thank you that all together in love we abound more and more in knowledge and discernment so we may, know, we may be purely, pure and blameless into the day of Jesus Christ, filled with fruit that comes through the faith in Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of our Father. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. So before I... Uh, you guys like my suit? <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> Listen, not, it's, uh, thank you, thank you. Nah, but seriously, it's it's a it's a great thing. I mean, I, I really don't like dr- I don't like dress clothes, right? I, they they bother me. I yeah, I I, I love sweatpants and, and I like I used to, when I first came to the church. i would say everybody remembers my pants were below my waist, and um, I had I think I had a bandana on or in my pocket, right? And they, I mean, it's just a testament of God's goodness that a drug addicted criminal would be standing, well, a former drug addicted criminal would be standing here before. You guys preaching the word of God. That, that's the Lord. That's the Lord. Right? So, before we get into where I'd like for everybody to just stand, two seconds. Two seconds. I know you guys don't want to stand, but let's just two seconds. Give me two seconds. We're going to confess before we, 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 uh, we're all going to follow me in confession. I have the mind of Christ. I have ears to hear. My heart is good ground. My heart Amen. Turn to your neighbor say, thank you. You can have a seat. Turn to your neighbor say, say, you look good. Tell them they look good. Wave to them. Tell them you like their hair. Tell them you like their outfit. Tell them, you know, just gas them up. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay. So turn with me to Hebrews 12, 14 through 7. Um, I'm sorry. Hebrews 12, 12 through 14. Say amen when you get there. Holla at me, wave at me. Give me a bird call or something. All right. (laughs) Right. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet. So that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather healed. Strive for peace with everyone. And for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And. For holiness, without, which without no one will see the Lord. This verse came to me when I was um, on my vacation, um, you know, <laughs> courtesy of New Jersey Street, judicial system. I was on vacation for about two years. Uh, free food, roof, um, three meals a day, you know. Yeah, yeah. No bills, you know. They, <laughs> they really took care of me. Got my weight up, like, you know. This verse came to me and... It blew, I mean, it just set me on this path where I, I, on to this day, I'm still pursuing it. So, my title of the sermon is called The Hunt for Holiness. This verse struck me because it doesn't say without faith, it doesn't say without salvation, it doesn't say without tongues or without tithing that no one will see the Lord. It says without holiness, no one will see the Lord. I don't, I can't go into what is holiness the entire thing. That would take forever. I could probably. Go on that and that I'd never finish it until, until God came, until Jesus returned. But just to, to set a foundation, there's, 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 there's holiness in the Bible. There's the holiness of God, right? And then there's holiness which belongs to us or personal holiness, purity, sanctification. These are all words. When they speak of God's holiness, they're speaking about the otherness or the alienness or the, the difference of God. God is God. Nobody is God. Nothing is God. Nothing comes close to being God. God is in a class realm. He's transcendent. He's above everything that we know. With that being said, we can't mentally grasp holiness completely because it's so different. It's not like anything we've seen. Everything that we know comes from things we see with our eyes hear, Right. Naturally, everything comes that way. However, God has left a way for us to know what holiness is. It says in Ephesians 4.24 that our new man was created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. There's a part of us that's created to look like God. There's something inside of us that's created to look like God. Right? So you have immediate sanctification. When you're saved, God makes you holy. He sets you apart. You're no longer in the world. You're a part of the ecclesia, the church. You're separated. This final glory for uh, holiness, right? For complete sanctification where we see Jesus face to face and we're made just like him. However, in 1 John 3, it says that for that day, we have to prepare ourselves for that day. And that's progressive sanctification. The first one, God does when he makes you save. The last one is going to be a reflection of us seeing Jesus face to face. The one I'm speaking of, personal sanctification, progressive sanctification, is our responsibility, not God's. The other two lie in God's hands. This one lies in ours. This is the one that we're to deal with on this earth. This is the one that each day as a Christian is our responsibility. I heard somebody say that a lot of believers, you know, that verse that says, cast your cares on Jesus. Right. People think that means cast your responsibility on Jesus as well. But that's not what the verse says. (laughs) It says, cast your cares on Jesus. Your responsibility still lies within your power, right? So now we have this thing inside of us that's meant to look like God. And by pursuing holiness, we begin to grasp the holiness of God. It says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God, right? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Not those who speak in tongues all day and, and, and those who confess all day and, and those who tithe all the time. It doesn't say that. It says the pure in heart. Our heart is our responsibility. Our decisions, our thoughts, our emotions, they're our responsibility. That being said, God's given us the Holy Spirit. What do you think God gave us the Holy Spirit for? Anybody? You could just shout it out. To make us holy. (laughs) It's It's crazy, right? To make us holy. God's given us the Holy Spirit, and through teaching, through counseling, through helping, to make us holy. The express purpose of giving us the Holy Spirit was to make us holy. If he wanted us to be rich, he would have gave us the prosperous spirit. If he wanted us to be happy, he would have gave us the happy spirit. If he wanted us to, 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 to be uh, anything else you want to name, he would have gave us that spirit, but he didn't, he gave us the Holy Spirit. The purpose he's given us the Holy Spirit is to look like Christ. To pursue holiness is to pursue likeness, which is God's will for every Christian. I grew up and they had like these dare, dare to be different sermons. Everybody, everybody's heard one or two of them, right? Dare to be different sermons.
1: They're like, Daniel,
0: dare to be different. Uh, uh, John the Baptist, dare to be different. David, dare to be different. The only different the Bible has to offer you is holiness. It doesn't mean to just rebel and stand out to, for, for the sake of wanting not to fit the crowd. They chose to choose God instead of anything else. That was it. Said Daniel, resolved not to defile himself with the king's food. For what reason? To be a rebel. I'm Daniel the rebel. That's Daniel <laughs> in the Bible, right? That that was me. This is not the same Daniel. <laughs> I would have did that, right? Like, hey, anybody eating this? I'm, I'm sorry. I was. My wife is correcting my <laughs> confession. Thank you, baby. I need, I need. She's like, no, you were Daniel the Bible. No, not anymore. Mm-mm, you're obedient, Daniel. Sanctified, Daniel. Like <laughs> you're, you're tongue speaking, Daniel. That's old Daniel. Like you know, she, <laughs> she had a whole little mini sermonette right there. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> so so the only and it's 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 strange, and I get why. I, I was raised, um, my mother right there. I was raised in non-denominational churches. Um, and, and they were very, very good teaching I, I received growing up. I thank God for that. I, never, I was never in a church where the you know teaching was contrary to the Bible. But before me, there was this, I guess, this movement, this holiness movement, where women had to wear like long dresses. It's still around. It's still around. Okay, it's still around. I just haven't been around it. And um, can, I, can I share something real quick, mom, about what you told me? So my mom, I'll share. She does not mind. So my mom got saved, but she won't mind. My mom got saved in this, this deliverance uh, from a deliverance church, and she couldn't wear pants and earrings and makeup or anything like that. And she said every day she would look out the window to make sure her neighbors weren't raptured because they were the most saved people she knew. So this holiness that they were teaching that was a burden or a weight on people caused fear in their lives. Right? I, can't, I can't wear earrings or else I'm not saved. I, I can't wear pants or else I'm not saved. I, I can't do this or else I'm not holy, right? And it, it created this fear. And the Bible says, perfect love casts out all fear. So that obviously wasn't on, right? Holiness primarily is something eternal, internal. Holiness is, is, is becoming something, not doing something. Hol, hol, holiness is, is, is a choice to, to put your face to God and say, I want to look just like Jesus. That's what holiness is. Right? And, 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 and mind you, that being said, if you are pursuing holiness, you're not going to get a neck tattoo that says Thug Life, right? <laughs> it's probably not going to end up that way. <laughs> right? So I will say, I want to balance that. You know, it, it, I definitely want to balance that. Right? If, if there's an inward working of holiness in you, there will be outward fruit of that holiness. Right? So that's why I'm wearing the suit. Because old Daniel, Daniel that wasn't worried about having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah, I could preach with Gene Sagan. That's cool. You know, people aren't supposed to judge me. But no, it's different now because because of what God's done inside of me, I want to give my best to God. Right now. I want to say this one point. Remember this. Write it down if you if, if you can. The Holy Spirit is the greatest gift given to man. Therefore, holiness is the most blessed state of existence for the believer. God has nothing else to offer you. <laughs> That's what God offers you, the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is made to make you holy. So join me on this hunt for holiness. Let's go to Haggai 2, verse 10 through 13. I got three things while I was preparing for this message that would continually help me and prayerfully you guys to continue the pursuit of holiness. This isn't like a one and done thing where it's like, All right, I do one, I do two, I do three, and now I'm holy. It doesn't work like that. Holiness is a lifelong pursuit, and these three things have to be done in tandem, not separately, not step one and step two and step three, but for the sake of clarity, I'll go through step one, step two, step three. So the first thing that the Lord, has, the Holy Spirit revealed to me about pursuing holiness is to be separate. Separation. Let me know when you get to Haggai 2.10. Say amen. On the 24th day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet. Thus says the Lord of hosts, ask the priest about the law. If someone carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches with his fold bread or stew or wine or oil or any kind of food, does it become holy? The priest answered and said, no. Then Haggai said, if someone who is unclean by contact with a dead body touches any of these things, Any of these, does it become unclean? The priest answered and said, it does become unclean. There's a lot in here, but I just want to point out two things. Holiness can only be transmitted by contact with something that's directly holy. Defilement comes from any contact at all with anything defiled. It's much easier to become defiled than to be holy. There's a reason. Because to be holy is intentional. You can become defiled by being passive. You can become defiled just by coming into contact with too many things that aren't like God. This is why Jesus said, love not the world or anything in the world. Love not the world nor anything in the world. Why? Because anything in the world, the enemy has a chance to manipulate. It's under his control. Those things that are holy, the enemy cannot touch. They don't belong to him. He's, he can't come close to them. He was kicked out of the Holy of Holies, never to return. So anything that's holy, he, he, has, he has no touch on, right? The two things that defiled the Levitical priesthood in the Old Testament Leviticus was them coming in contact with anything that was defiled or anything that was, in, that was common. Anything defiled or anything that's common. So not just things that are sinful, but common things. So I looked up common, I went to the Strongs, I went to the Vines, and they basically carry in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, they carry the meaning of secular. <laughs> what does that mean, secular? Worldly. Not of God. So this can get extreme now, because we live in a world, we have to work in a world, we have to come in contact with secular things. So I'm not saying, you know, oh, don't go to work, <laughs> right? God, God forbid, go to work, right? Yeah. God gave you that, go to work, right? You, you got to go to work. I'm not saying that you can, you can only watch PureFlix, Even though PureFlix is great, I, I support PureFlix, even if the, the, the level of production isn't where it needs to be. Anybody have PureFlix? Yeah, level of production is not like great, but you know, they're trying to do the right thing, so I, I support it. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really not. I'm, I'm a movie person, so it's like, I'm like, ah, oh, this is for the Lord. This is for the Lord. Hunt for holiness. But it, it just, oh man. <laughs> Jesus. In 2 Timothy. 2, 20 through 21, you could turn there. It says, now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Who wants to be ready for every good work Jesus has for him? Who, who wants to live in everything that God called them to live in? So in order to do that, you have to cleanse yourself from dishonorable things. In other versions, in other um, translations, this word right here is common. Too much contact with anything that's not of God will cause you to be defiled. If you spend more time on Facebook, more time watching TV, more time listening to, I love Kanye West, more time listening to Kanye West than you do spending time with God reading his word, worshiping God, praising God, you'll, you'll become defiled just from this law of contact. Too much contact. Too much contact. Too much pollution. Too much different words coming into your head. Too much, too much different. And, and, and mind you, not everything that is good is God. That's, you know, a motivational speech is not the word of God. To listen to motivational speaking is to not build your spirit. People are like, yeah, I. I listen. What's his name? Uh, I like Tony Robbins too. He's he's a banging speaker. But I, I know people that are like you know I, I listen. To, I, I do my little. Uh, my, I do my Bible plan, and I've seen you know I know the Bible plans. This like two verses, ten minutes, right? And I'm not saying it's bad. And I listen to Tony Robbins for three hours. Okay. You're spending more time with human wisdom than with the wisdom that God's given you, All right? The two things that God has left us that are holy, that belong to us explicitly is the Word. And the Holy Spirit. The Word and the Holy Spirit. More of your time should be spent in these two things than anything else. Even and you could do it with your family, right? Because we have families, we have to pay attention to our kids and our wives, and we have so we read the word with our families, we pray with our families, right? Thank God for the gift of tongues. Because now when you're going throughout your day, you're spending time building up your most holy faith. When you're at work and you know, we work, we work with people that aren't Christian and they're cursing and they're talking about women and they're talking about gambling. And, and, and you're just sitting there like, Daniel, you all right? I'm good, I'm good. Right? But I'm spending time building myself up in my most holy faith. I'm contacting the Holy Spirit and not being defiled by what's around me. I'm letting the greater one who's inside me control my environment. Separation. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, don't be unequally yoked. Hebrews 13.14 says, go to him who is outside of the camp and offer a sacrifice of praise. 1 John 2.15 says, love not the world or anything in it. When you pursue pursue holiness, the degree of separation just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Not because you're better than anybody, because your desire for God increases. Your Your hunger for God just increases. It takes the hunger of anything else around you away. I tell you what, I, 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 used to, I used to do a lot of things, so I'm not going to go into a list of them, right? but I used to smoke cigarettes, a lot I love cigarettes. I loved them. I mean, I, 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 could, I wake up, I smoke. Uh, after I eat, I smoke. I used to go to the gym and be out of breath, sweating, and be like, oh, I need a cigarette, <laughs> and I pull a cigarette out and smoke. Right? It was that bad, and as I was away. Spent time in the spirit. I, I didn't notice it until it was later. Uh, an officer walked past me, and they must have been smoking, and the smell was so terrible that it made me vomit. It made me vomit. Something I loved so much because I had separated from myself from it. And other people, you know, it, it, it's crazy because I think the the reaction of vomiting was extreme because you know a lot of people smoking. The, I'm, I don't vomit now, you know, and I know people that smoke. But at that moment, I realized because of the separation. Because of my pursuit for God, that thing that I used to love so much has become disgusting to me. Something that was defiling me has become absolutely repulsive to me. Your degree of sonship that you experience, the degree of worship that you experience, and the degree of the pleasure of the Father that you experience depends on your pursuit of holiness. The more you pursue holiness, the more like Christ you look. And Christ is the one who, who, who God, before he did anything, before he did any ministry, before he healed anybody, he looked down on Him and said, this is my beloved son of whom I am well pleased. Amen. Next point. You're going on this hunt for holiness Right? Like we're hunting, right? We separate ourselves. We enter the, the, the battlefield, right? We out here. I don't know how to hunt. I've never hunted in my life. I'm from New Jersey, 15 minutes away. Actually, you know what? I take that back. I take that back. Me and my brother used to chase animals around the house with little baseball bats because we had like a little bunch of animals in our yard. So I, I, I know a little something about hunting, actually. A professional in my own, in my own uh, you know, view of things. Jesus, it's not. I know. Nah, because I mean, if it was like a real animal that could eat me or something, nah, <laughs> absolutely not. Uh-uh. I went with, me, and, me and my wife were in Vermont during the summer, and like, I was bent on seeing a bear. Because we don't have them, you know, but we have like little black bears jersey. I want to see a real bear, you know what I mean? Like not these little bears that dogs chase away. That's, that's not tough, but a real bear. And then we finally came into contact, with, not with a bear, but we were in an area that had bear signs, and I felt all my courage fade. I was like, "You know what? I was like, mm, like, mm, Maybe no bear, right? Animal Planet YouTube, I share me bears I want to see. Lord Jesus. <laughs> so, now we're now we're on this, this battleground. The next thing that we bring with us is it's an attitude. It's a disposition. Zeal. Zeal. Can to, can you please turn to numbers 25 with me? This this actually is I mean, obviously apart from Jesus Christ. This is my favorite character in the Bible. And when I mention him, people be like, "Who?" His name is Phineas. We're going to talk about a man named Phineas and how he was zealous for the Lord. I'm going to go 1 through 13. It's a couple of verses. While Israel lived in Shittim, the people began to whore with the daughters of Moab. The people began to whore with the daughters of Moab. They were talking about explicit, uh, illicit sexual activity. However, anytime we begin to give more time to something, we begin to make things idols. That is prostituting. And that's what idolatry is. It's, it's divine prostitution. <laughs> when you choose to make idols in your life, when things take the place of God, you are prostituting yourself before these idols. Yikes. These invited the people to offer sac- to the sacrifices of their gods and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel yoked Himself to Baal of Peor. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, Take all the chiefs of the people and hang them in the sun in broad daylight before the Lord, that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. And Moses said to the judges of Israel, Each of you kill those of his men who have yoked themselves to the Baal of Peor. And behold, one of the people of Israel came and bought a Midianite woman to his family in the sight of Moses and in the sight of the whole congregation. Of the people of Israel, while they were weeping in the entrance of the tent, of, the entrance of the tent of meeting, when Phineas, the son of Eleazar, Eleazar, son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, he rose, left the congregation, took a spear in his hand, and went after the man of Israel into the chamber and pierced both of both the man of Israel and the woman through her belly. Thus, the plague of of the people of Israel was stopped. Nevertheless, those who died by the plague were twenty four thousand. Jesus. So Phineas, he's crying, he's weeping because the sin of Israel. God is wiping these people out because of their um, prostitution, uh, their idolatry. They're violating of their covenant. And as, as much as we are under a covenant, right? We are under the new covenant. It's not the same, but we are under the covenant. And you can violate the new covenant. Contrary to popular belief, you can violate the new covenant. As a matter of fact, I had to take a step back because I forgot to mention this. The whole book of Hebrews is written as a warning to Christians about not apostatizing. Apostatizing is giving up your faith. Apostatizing is taking what you have, the faith that God's given you, the salvation that God's given you, and throwing it away. You can fall away from the faith. It's your choice. God will keep you. God will give you the word. God will send Christians to you. He'll, miracle, he'll do everything for you to not fall away, but at the end of the day, you can say, you know what? I'm okay. I'm going to go my own way. So when Paul was writing, I mean, not Paul. They, some people say it's Paul that wrote Hebrews. We don't know the, the uh, author of Hebrews. I believe it was Paul. When, Paul well, when the author of Hebrews said, without holiness, no one will see the Lord, he was telling them, in order to not fall away, this has to be your pursuit. The book of Hebrews isn't a letter like all the other letters in, in the old test I mean in the New Testament. It was written as a sermon. It was meant to be preached the whole book through. Imagine that, the whole book of Hebrews <laughs> be here forever, right? The whole book of Hebrews. <laughs> Jesus. So you have Phineas. You have Phineas now. And 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 uh, he he he's 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 weeping. He's weeping and, and and they're they're putting to death these people that were uh, sleeping with the Midianite woman. And this guy, bold and bra- brazen, just sees them crying, he gets him a girl. He's like, look at these guys, losers. And he's walking by, and he's going to do his thing. Phineas, is one second he's crying, then he's like, you know what? I'm going to kill him. So he gets, he gets up. He go gets his spear. Now, before I continue, in the Old Testament, Genesis 4, when the, the first mention of sin, Cain and Abel, it said that sin was crouching at your door. He's talk, God is talking to Cain. He said, sin is crouching at your door, and it desires to have you, but you must rule over it. When you break down that in Hebrew, it speaks of sin as an animal on the prowl, and that's why in First Peter five it says the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And the sin was crouching, waiting to find Cain in his weakest point and jump on him. Because it said he desires to have you. God didn't say I'm going to deliver you from the sin. He says desire to have you, but you must rule over it. So Phineas got his spear. Back to Numbers twenty-five. Phineas has his spear. And instead of being hunted by sin, he's hunting the sin down. He's zealous for the name of the Lord. He's like, let me find the source of God's displeasure and put it to death. Let me not play with it. Let me not hesitate with it. Let me not reason with it. A lot of people, they get stuck in like a, a, a same cycle of sin. And they're like, I just don't know why I mean, keep sinning. Like, sin, you have sinful nature, <laughs> right? You get saved from your sinful nature, but you have your flesh. You know, people blame the devil for everything. And, you know, I hate, you know, the devil's under our feet. Just, oh, the, uh, the, the devil. The devil made me do that. No, he didn't. It's acts of the flesh. The devil is not in control of your acts of the flesh. That's your acts of the flesh, right? That's why it says in Galatians, the acts of the flesh are obvious. As a believer, you know if you're sinning. I don't know if I'm sin. Yes, you do. <laughs> you know, my, I had somebody explain it to me like this. The difference between a sheep and a pig is that a sheep gets in the mud, it has to get out because it's not comfortable. A pig can get in the mud and stay there all day, just rolling around, getting more dirty and more dirty. And the pigs can do that. Sheep can't do that. If you're a Christian, if you have the spirit of God inside of you, the same thing that put Jesus on the cross, you cannot live in it. You can't be comfortable in it. Just, there's no way. <laughs> right? So you know when you're sinning. And so, so Phineas, he goes and he, he, he goes and he, he hunts down this sin and in the middle of the act... As soon as he finds it, as soon as it's exposed, he puts it to death. We're not to play with sin when we find it in our lives. We're not to sit around and look at it and wonder why it's there. We're not to try to figure out, well, how did it get there? We're to put it to death. Let's not play with it now, right? Let's call it what it is. It's sin. It's the thing that put Jesus Christ on, on the cross. It's the thing that separates us from God. That's what it is. It's nothing light about it, right? So we find it. And it says, and thank, thank God we're not, we don't have to do it by ourselves. Right? Phineas did it with a spear. Don't grab a spear, right? Because some people will blame other people for their sin and be like, I know who I got to get today. No. It says that in Romans 8 that the Holy Spirit, if we put to death the deeds of the flesh with the help of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit through time in the word and through prayer will travel deep down into our hearts and our minds and find what's there, even stuff that we, we don't know about, and he'll bring it to light, not for him to kill it, but for you to kill it. Amen? Jesus did the same thing, right? This is time. Jesus did the same thing. Matthew 4, the Mark account, when he goes into the, the, the wilderness, it says that the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. It's a word of, it's a word of force. It's power, right? It, the Spirit pushed him into the wilderness. The wilderness is, is the enemy's, that's his ground, right? That's where he got the, uh, the Israelites for the 40 years. That's his ground. And, and, you know, it's not physical wilderness. No, we're talking about the spiritual things. A spiritual wilderness is anywhere where you're lacking God's provision, whether it's contact or vision. So I'm here to tell you, regardless of what anybody says, as a Christian, you don't ever have to be in a spiritual wilderness, ever. God lives inside you. Never will I leave you or forsake you. God doesn't stop being your provider. God doesn't stop being your healer. God doesn't stop being your shepherd. Jesus doesn't stop being your shepherd. The Holy Spirit doesn't stop being your comforter. You never have to be in a wilderness as a Christian because you're never without God. I, you know, I read a lot of Kenneth Hagin. He calls him Dad Hagin. I, you know, Pastor Kenneth Hagin, or, or Pop, you know, I, I, and he 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 wrote, he wrote something in the book. Sometimes he writes things, and it blows my mind. He was like a lot of a lot of people talk about hills and valleys, like right? Torrin Wells song. Anybody, I, I know, I know, we love Torrin Wells. We we Kingdom, and I, this, this is on the camera, right? Kingdom Living Ministries loves Torrin Wells. We want you to come out here, Torrin Wells. God bless. So the song Hills and Valley. Right, (laughs) right. And and Kenneth Hankins said that he said that he said, I don't know about hills and valleys. He said, I've only since I've been saved and walking with the Lord and learned to heed the Holy Spirit, I've only been on the the mountain. So it challenged me. I said, Well, okay. Well, he's a man of God that I respect. So I'm not just going to throw this sentence out. I'm going to read about it. I'm going to study it and I'm going to see what he possibly meant. He did not mean that he didn't go through hard circumstances. He meant that even when he goes through hard circumstances, he's victorious. That he's treading on the circumstance. The circumstance is not treading on him. As a believer, with the Holy Spirit and with the word of God, the enemy will never have authority over you to beat you down, to ground you down, to to afflict you. He doesn't have that authority unless you give it to him. It says in 1 Corinthians that Jesus leads us triumphantly as captives. He leads us everywhere we go. Everywhere Jesus goes. If we're following him, he's leading us victoriously. We're victorious. We're reigning. Amen? Amen? Who <laughs> are you laughing at me? So Jesus goes into the wilderness, and, and, and he, he's hungry. It's, it's a fast. It definitely is a fast. It was a test. The Bible says so. Yet Jesus went to the wilderness, met the enemy on his ground, and defeated him. He said, how, later on in scriptures, we'll go Matthew 12. He said, how can... A strong man go into somebody's house and, and, and bind a strong man lest he's stronger than him. Jesus went to his territory and he bound the strong man. It wasn't just a test on the part of Jesus because he was a man. It was God confronting sin and being victorious. He's given us the spirit, the same spirit that Jesus had that led him into the wilderness. is the same spirit that's inside of us that's leading us to look deeper into ourselves and find what displeases God and kill it. Amen? Amen. 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 And this is, this is the best part about it. I love this verse. In John 14, 30, Jesus was about to go face death on the cross. And he was talking to his disciples, and he said, the prince of this world comes, but he has no hold on me. There's nothing here that he can hold. So when I go to that cross, and when they bury me, I will rise. Because there's nothing there to hold me in the ground. As we separate ourselves and and we put to death sin in our lives, we'll be able to walk around and be like, no matter what the circumstance is, I'm all right. The devil don't got no hold on me. The devil can't hold me now. You understand me? Listen, (laughs) back up. (laughs) You don't got nothing over here. You understand me? Listen, it's something about it. When you have this this level, I mean, look look, look look at the confidence of Jesus. Not And mind you, Jesus was God, fully God, fully man. But look at the confidence of this man, Jesus Christ, that was about to die, that said, you know what? The devil don't got no hold on me. Matter of fact, before he even died, he started telling them, listen, but you know, i die, but I'm going to see you again. I know you've never seen that before, but listen, I'm going to die. I'm going to be right back. I'm going to be right back. You understand me? Listen, <laughs> we but we too, the same spirit that's in Jesus Christ, the same spirit that's in us, we can say, you know what? The devil don't got no hold on me. Yeah. Amen. The last one. Let's go to Romans 12. Romans 12. So you're in, the, you're in, this, you're in this, this battlefield, right? You separate yourself in this battlefield. You have your zeal. You're ready to kill. Ready to be a predator. Get catch prey. I'm trying to say this in the night, you know, not scary way. I'm scaring myself. The last thing that you need is discernment. Why discernment? Why discernment? Because once we were saved, This is no longer our home. We are in a foreign territory. This is not our home. I'll say it again, this is not our home. We live like it's our home. This is not our home. The house that we live in, that we love so much, that we'll fight tooth and nail for, it's not our home. It'll be destroyed. It's not going to go with us, right? The jobs we fight tooth and nail for to retain, they're not going with us. They'll fall away as well. Cars that we do everything to drive fall away. It's not going nowhere. We are not home. So when you're in a foreign territory, when you're in enemy-occupied territory, this is what this is, enemy-occupied territory. We've been dropped behind enemy lines, and all we have to keep us safe is the word of God the Holy Spirit, and the body of believers. Ooh, Jesus. So if you think it's... Hallelujah. If you think it's okay to spend more time... Y'all love me, right, regardless? All right. If you think it's okay to spend more time with unbelievers... Or doing unbelieving things and watching unbelieving shows. I'm not saying these things are terrible and you can't do them at all. But if you think that it's you, you put invest more of yourself into it because when you invest your time in something, you're investing yourself into it, right? Because you attend to what you care for, right? And if you think it's okay and that nothing is going to happen, to you and because you know I go to church on Sunday and I praise the Lord and I give my tithe, that you're safe. You're not. You are not. Because when that what happens is when you do those things and that's the source of your safety, then God's not your source. Your actions are. And you will fail yourself 10 out of 10 times. Amen? Amen? Let's go to Romans 12. I'm going to read it. Romans 12, 1 through 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Other versions say reasonable worship. This makes the most sense. Right? This makes the most sense. The thing that makes the most sense for you to do is to give yourself completely to God. Anything else that's not you giving yourself completely to God is not logical. <laughs> it makes no sense. Right? Do not be conformed, separate, to this world. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Now, by testing you may discern what is the will of God. What is good, acceptable, and perfect. While you're, while you're separating yourself and you're being transformed by hunting down this sin in your life, then you start to be able to test the will of God. Not before. There's an order to this thing. right? You're trying, you're trying, to, you're trying to touch the waters of God. You're trying to test the will of God, but there's sin holding you back. You're still in the world, so you, you, you can't even get your foot in you, you, you still held back. Hebrews 12 says to, to get rid of these weights that entangle us while we're trying to pursue the will of God. You, it, it, it's right here, right? Offer yourselves, present yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy. Right? And, and mind you, this isn't, I have to be completely holy and I have to be completely, all oh, the sin has to be gone in my life for me to test the will of God. But if you're okay with looking like the world, and you're okay with sin in your life, God has the word for you, right? If you, <laughs> if you, if you can't get through this, right? And it, it, it says in 1 Thessalonians that it is God's will for you to be holy. It says that. That's so, it is God's will for you to be holy. So God's will is for you to be holy before it's his will for you to be say, a successful businessman is to be holy. before, Even before to be a successful preacher, evangelist, God's will is for you to be holy first. Right? Amen. So it says that you can test his will, his good, acceptable, and perfect will. There are three levels of God's will here. I looked it up in the Greek, right? It says good is, you know, good, cool, we like it, right? Acceptable is more pleasing. Perfect is nothing missing. The degree you pursue holiness is the degree of God's will that you'll reach. Because on this pursuit, what will happen is you'll, you'll get some. Because it's it's happened to me. and I had to repent. You know, thank thank God for my spiritual father cutting me down to size, <laughs> right? You know, you you start to feel yourself a little bit, right? You know, you got some revelation knowledge. You can pray in tongues for four hours. You get words of knowledge. You know, your chest get a little big. Then you get somebody who's been doing it for a long time, and they're like, no, <laughs> like calm down, sit down, like you know. And, and thank God for that. And but what happens is you'll reach a level, and then you'll get comfortable with it. I'm better than the average Christian. Yeah. ooh, that, that's, that's right, sis, that's pride. God resists the pride. You won't stay there for long if you get comfortable. <laughs> the Lord will knock you down. right? And then you can get to another world, and then, oh, okay, you know, God's blessing you. He's given to you. He, he, he trusts you a little bit with some things. Maybe you got a little position, maybe. Some, you know, something in your life is taken off and God's put his hand on it. And you know, okay, I can, I can do this. I'm good here too. I'm cool here. This is nice. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm safe. And that's when the enemy who prowls around like a worn lion had waited for you to get to that level because he'd been studying people just like you for his whole life, <laughs> since for eternity. And he goes, right, you know what? I'm going to let him go. <laughs> I'll be back later at a more opportune time. And then he knocks you off your block. And guess what? God lets him. Because you let him. Right. Okay, I'm sorry about that. So you get to test these levels as well, just as there's a progression in holiness, there's a progression in the sinfulness as well. And it's it's very noticeable. Right. Psalms one, it says, don't walk with the the wicked, don't stand with sinners and don't sit with the scornful. If you find yourself more and more, you see your circles changing. You see you in places that you don't belong more. And then finally, you're comfortable where you never belonged in the first place. You're progressing, but not into holiness, but into sinfulness. We have to watch our surroundings. That's why Jesus said it. He said, watch and pray. Watch and pray. Peter, the guy who was, you know, the apostle that's close, to disciples, that's close to Jesus, he says the same thing. He says, be sober and be vigilant. That being said, never mind. I'm not going to say that. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Got you. So Jesus, God has given us the Word and the Spirit. These things that are holy, that are innately holy. The two things that we have that we can contact at any time by meditating, by prayer, by reading, for us to be holy, for us to be delivered into different levels of holiness, for us to see what God has for us. When you go through the prayers in the New Testament, Philippians 1, Colossians 1, Ephesians 1, Right, P.D. Prayers, prays the Ephesians one prayer before he preaches. I just prayed the Philippians one prayer, Colossians one prayer. They're all similar. And they're all, and somewhere in it is all praying for something, is praying for a similar thing. Knowledge and wisdom of God. Not for you, you know, by knowing God, you will know the things of God, but it's to know God, to have knowledge and wisdom of God. So where does the sermon come in? Knowledge is the information of something. Wisdom is the walking in and applying of that thing. Discernment is choosing the best way to walk in it and please God. Discernment is, because people are like, oh, I got the gift of discernment. Where? What verse? I need the verse. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a Bible guy. Where's the verse? Chapter verse. I need it. You know, I, I know what it says gifts of the Spirit. I know where Jesus said he gave gifts. I know there's gifts in 1 Peter. Where's the gift of discernment? This is discerning of spirits, but that's not discernment. Discernment is a choice to purposely look for what pleases God the best. It's a choice to find out what brings the most pleasure to God. Discernment is not just something that falls upon your lap. (laughs) You know, you you don't just wake up one day and you're like, I know what God wants best for my life. (laughs) It's a choice. You know what, God, at the expense of my free time, at the expense of my sleep, if I have to fast, if I have to give my time to, to, to studying the word, I will find what pleases you the best. Amen. Okay. Amen. How's everybody doing? We're good so far? Real good? How good? All right. So then, you know, I, I, like, I like food a lot. So, you know, you got, I don't want to take no offerings, but you guys can send me food anytime. Potluck, you know what I'm saying? Cook something up, bring it to church next Sunday, I take it. You, you know, no. Okay, no. No, I was joking. No, that was a joke. I don't really know. Don't... I'm okay. Thank you. <laughs> no, I was joking, P. I don't. I'm good. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father God. We worship you. We worship you, Lord. We praise you. We praise your name. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That day when we, when, we, when we finally slip away into eternity, we will be singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Mom Courtney, you said it before. She said Jesus is coming back. Every, every Sunday that we come here is one Sunday closer to Jesus coming back. And John 3 says that we have to prepare ourselves for that meeting by purifying ourselves. It's, it's almost insane to me how when we went on our first dates with our girlfriends or wives, whatever, guys, women, we, we put it on, right? My first date, was, well not my first date with Jess, most guys do it, right? <laughs> I didn't. I'm sorry. She, yeah, I did not. Lord. <laughs> most guys do though, right? Cologne, dress nice, suit, tie maybe, you know what I mean? Or whatever. You, you try to look presentable. We'll do that for, for a relationship on earth, but not for, for Jesus. And the only way we prepare ourselves for that meeting with Jesus, for that wedding with Jesus, is to is to purify ourselves. It's, it's, we're attending a great wedding. We're the bride. Right? We're the bride. You've never seen a bride looking busted on purpose. I'm not say busted in general, <laughs> but on purpose. Cause I cause I I wanna do that. People people would be like, mm-hmm. I mean, hmm, like, no, no, on purpose. <laughs> no, no bride is like, Yeah, I'ma throw on these joggers, have my hair in a bun, and you know, women, y'all look beautiful, hair and bun and everything. So my wife does all the time. Wake up beautiful, go throughout her day beautiful, go to sleep beautiful, eats beautiful. I mean, so you know, but no, no bride, you know. And my wife is beautiful all the time, but when she was getting ready for the wedding, oh my God, oh Lord, everything had to be right. The temperature had to be right. She was using her faith like, I need to be 68.3 degrees, Lord. Amen. (laughs) That's the perfect temperature for my hair to be okay. And it was, right? Hallelujah. But the, the, the extent that they go to prepare themselves for that special day, it's a lot. It's a lot, as it should be. That's a day that's going to change their lives for eternity. But this day we're preparing for is the day we step into eternity. It's deeper than that. Holiness isn't just about living right and doing the right things. Because if holiness is God to be separate, then holiness is about your proximity to God. How close I am to God. How close I am to Jesus. How strong my relationship is with the Lord. God doesn't take offerings. He doesn't accept them. Oh, you know, he says, "You know, we have our faults and stuff like that, but he's given us the Holy Spirit, so we can offer acceptable praises to Him, right? And the more we, we pursue this holiness, the more pleasing we become to our Father. And if that's not your bottom line goal <laughs> as a believer, then you have to heart. You have to search your heart. You have to. And I, and I say that with all the love. I mean it. if, if your bottom line as a believer is not to please God." At all cost, check. We have to check our hearts, and it's a constant check of our hearts—not a one-time check in our hearts. Like I said, we live in this world, and things come to us from the left, and and from the right, and from every every way things come, and and it always attempt. The whole goal is to knock us off our pursuit of God. Listen, there are plenty of people who become successful financially, even successful in ministry, whose hearts are far away from God. The enemy does not care if you get a position in the church. The enemy doesn't care if you make a million dollars. The enemy cares if you're pursuing to look like Christ. Yeah. Because now you're a problem. That's right. That's right. That's why, I'm gonna finish with this. The seven sons of Skeva, they went to go cast out demons. And they said, In the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, go away. And the demon said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but you don't look familiar. You you bear no resemblance to claim the authority of that name. We want to bear the resemblance of Christ. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Before I step off the stage, I just want to offer an invitation to, first, if you have felt your desire for God grow cold, and, and through the power of the word, that you, you know, you know what, I'm, I'm not right with God right now. My relationship with God, it's is, is not where it needs to be. It's not even where it used to be. It's not where I want it. I'm not living to please God. I'm, I'm, I'm too busy living for this world. If that's you, and you want to give your life back, rededicate your life to Christ, to pursue him once again with fresh passion, I ask you to raise your hand. Anybody? All right. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, as, as, as the one who died to re- reconcile you to God in right relationship, and you say, you know what? I, I want to know Jesus. I, I want to be in relationship with this Jesus that you speak about. I want to know this Jesus who went to the extent of the cross to love me. Raise your hand. Well, let's say this prayer with those who may have you online. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father I,
1: recognize
0: I'm a I recognize I'm a sinner. I recognize my need for you. I, my need for you. I, believe, I believe that Jesus died and rose again for my sins. I accept you into my heart, Jesus, to be my Lord and Savior for all the days of my life. Open the eyes of my heart so I may know you, God. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. That concludes this week's message and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Grand Cocos, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.